Here's what I want to know, and I've asked a few people this now. If you could, would you rather have a flying speed or be able to breathe underwater? Are we rolling dice? Sure. Yeah. 12. Oh, 19. 18. 19. Oh, suck you it. son of a bitch. Suck it, Dan. All right, so, okay. Flying speed. Flying speed 100%. Because um, I don't... See, being able to breathe underwater does not mean that you're proficient with being underwater. Sharks right. and shit still swim faster than you. You're, you still gotta, like, you're not gonna drown when you fight the giant fucking squid that comes after you, the colossal squid. But you still gotta wrestle with too many fucking tentacles, right? And, and Dan, calm down. I know that just turned you on. But the other thing about being wow. underwater is, man, I don't have dark vision. And I sure as fuck, I sure as fuck cannot deal with how goddamn cold it is down there or the pressure. It would pop me like a fucking balloon. So no, man, fly speed. Because even though it's cold up in the atmosphere, I could fly six feet off the ground. That's no problem. I can do that. Fly speed, 100%. I like it. Dan? Um, I mean, I, to be honest, I would agree with Adam. Uh, Fly speed, 100%, mostly because I hate traffic. (laughs) Um... That is so. You're so practical. Like, that is I'm not. Like, what I, I'm like thinking about sneaking into football stadiums or whatever. Dan's. Like, no, I'm thinking about my morning truck. commute. Yeah, my morning commute. How, how do I fix this? If you but could we fly, like, Dan, why would you go to work? I would. I would do a job that would require flight. Like just like individual personal flight. That would be I would be a window washer. No, you no, you're wrong. If you are the only person in the world that can fly, you just get product endorsements and you never have to work another day in your life. Yeah. Or you get one of those, you know, those like tandem skydiving harnesses and just be I, like see, pay me five hundred dollars an hour and I'll fly you around. It's like work as like a private tourism thing. You just see, like see my, only Uber problem, Plus. my only problem with that. My only problem with that is I I, I would hate being in the limelight. <laughs> you so like you're doing a podcast, Dan. I have news for you. I, I I understand, and so does everyone else who's listening. That being in the limelight's not my most comfortable place. <laughs> but you're so uh, good at it now. You've been doing it for eighteen months, almost. Almost. Uh, that's that's not including the three or four false starts Adam and I had before before it's a mimic was born. Um, but. Yeah, man, flight. However, we do live in a city called Rain City, and it's not on accident. So the ability to breathe underwater eh, would be fun. We're close to the ocean. I don't There's know, There's lots man. of lakes around here. I, I don't know. I, I find that I can still breathe myself in rain. So I'm... I think I'm going to have to fly. Adam won me over with his argument. Like, what? Also, being underwater by yourself, it's just going to be lonely. But yeah. Nobody... Can, can I can I throw in a, a uh, alternative? Sure. Do you want a flying speed or a burrowing speed? Well, I thought burrowing speed when I was coming up with the question. And then I was like, but then you're just cold, damp, and alone underground, which for me is not good. Because I'm not afraid of heights, but I'm afraid of depths. I have this thing. I When I like went caving a few years ago, I was very much aware that in order to get out of that cave, I, I, I'm, I'm essentially I was aware that I'm surrounded by a planet. I'm currently inside a planet. And that for me was much scarier than being up high. So... Flying speed is the answer to all of them. Also, everyone's got to respect you when you fly because you just have to look at them and say, I will fucking drop you. <laughs> I will drop you and then land on you. Actually, write that down as a good combat tactic. <laughs> <laughs>
welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I am Terry, with me as always is Dan and Adam, and today we are Hello. talking about wizards again. Yay! Yay! <laughs> okay, team. So, uh, what is the second episode on wizards now? This is the second episode on wizards. Yes. Right. Yeah. I was, second I, of what will be so very god-awful, man. This is going to be a lot. Just, just, there's going to be a ton of these things. And, uh, but Wizards is one of those things, right, where you're like, ah, oh, Wizards, you know, here we go again. But then you get reading, you get reading about your subclasses, and they're, they're actually really fun. They're, they they have a lot of unique flavor to them, depending on which subclass you go to and, and in the different uh, break-off books and Xanathars and the like. So they're actually very fun. So moving into topic one, what we're going to be going over... Um, is we're going to be touching on spell books, ambitions, and eccentricities. So these uh, these areas of exploration can be found in Xanathars. Um, so what I want to touch on firstly, uh, I'd like to move into spell books uh, because we see you know in kind of uh, tra- traditional D and D, you know, spell book is a huge part of being a wizard, but it kind of goes by the wayside, right? It's kind of okay, yeah, you're a wizard, you have your spell book, but this is another area of your character. That we can really explore. When you think about it, a wizard spellbook, is is really their their most prized possession. So it can be anything from like an innocuous looking volume um, whose cover shows no hint of what's inside, according to Xanathar's, or you might display some flair, as many wizards do, uh, by carrying a spellbook of, of an unusual sort. You may even have discussed with your DM an unusual type of spellbook um, that you would like to use, something that your DMs agreed with and would be fun for the game. Um, so what I would like to do is just uh, is just roll and then see what ideas you guys have got for for you unique or interesting spellbooks for wizards. Before we do that, right. what, what, they've got some options in the in the Xanathar's. They do, yeah. They? So I'll give you guys a couple of examples, actually. So uh, with regards to spellbooks, so a couple here from Xanathar's. Um, so you can roll in a D6 table. You might get something like long straps of leather on which uh, spells are written uh, wrapped around a staff. So, you know, you have your, your wizard staff. Around there are some long straps of leather with the spells written on there. Or you might have something like a scorched book ravaged by dragon fire uh, with the script of your spells that are barely visible on its pages. So we can throw flavor into this. Um, so if you guys are ready, we'll roll and uh, we'll see what ideas you've got. Sure. Let's go. Ooh. Ooh, I got a 19. I got I a got... 19 as well, Dan. Oh, I got a 15. I'm going last with a 15. Fuck. Well, last out of 15. Yep. All right, re-roll, Terry. I just re-rolled. I got an 8. I got a 12. So you're going first, Dan. I'll go second. Adam will go third. Okay, so uh, you guys are fans of Christopher Nolan, right? Yep. I Terry, does, Terry doesn't know what movies are, so keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, he should know this one. It's the guy who did the uh, Christian Bale Batman movies. Michael Keaton? Um, nope. No, the Christian Bale Batman. Fuck. fuck Terry. Fuck. God, okay. God damn it. <laughs> Shit. So the reason why I bring up Christopher Nolan is I recently, this week, I, I had a, some time to myself and I watched Memento. And I, and I love the idea of your spell book being tattoos all over your body. Um, and you have to read it backwards? never leave you. And you have to read it backwards in a mirror. Yeah. yeah sure. But, uh, like, just all over your body, arcane runes, arcane sigils. Uh, they say in some of these other examples, like, pictographic things. So you could have, like, a straight-up magical tattoo. And we talked about magical tattoos with our uh, giveaway episode uh, a few months ago. 
but uh, the idea of your entire spellbook, your entire power coming through, and every time you are trying to empower or, or add to your spellbook, you are re-tattooing yourself, either professionally or or like just the good old-fashioned prison tattoo style. So <laughs> I, 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 love, I love the idea of just having that. And then, I mean, the only way that you lose your spellbook is if you're flayed. So don't get flayed, and you should be fine. Oh, Dan, I haven't been flayed in months. No, no, we're no. not touching that one. Sometimes I can't tell if it's just. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, did that joke land? Did Discord cut out? What happened oh, there? It, <laughs> it landed. I was just gonna make a joke that I decided not to. <laughs> okay, who's second? Me. Yep. Okay, I have an interest. Remember, Adam in... lost with a sixteen. That's right, fifty. 50 but yes, but okay. that's right. I I have this interesting idea that you'd have to run by your DM mechanically how you're going to do it and, and whether or not it's fair. But I have this idea. Um, of this really eccentric kind of crazy type wizard that scrawls all of their spells on the walls of their wizard's tower where they are kind of uh, beautiful mind type all over the place like these these scrawlings and they have when they're out away from the wizard tower adventuring they have this this looking glass that they look through which will show the direction like within their wizard's tower so if you're looking north it'll show you the north wall so they have to kind of look in the middle of the battle or wherever they're trying to use their spells look around as though they're inside the room trying to locate the spell so that they could read the arcane text and recite it and uh, to cast the spell so instead of looking at their book looking through their looking glass which shows the insides of their tower of course with regards to to fairness and things and that you know typically the spell books with you would have to talk to your dm about how you're going to make it fair but i just had this really crazy idea of this wizard looking through looking all in all these different crazy directions and trying to locate the spell which is inside their tower room know what this reminds me of this reminds me of that little toy you could get for the kid uh for kids that it's like the binoculars with the like little insert thing right. that you pull the the lever on the side and it just changes the picture that you could see just this is how he prepares his spells he's just like click click oh okay <laughs> well it was a water buffalo on the mesa okay cool <laughs> click click well, was... i now know how to cast fireball no, like, well, he would already know. It's just written down somewhere. He has to, like, if, if if it's in the southeast corner of his wizard's tower room, he has to face southeast with this looking glass. But yes, Dan, essentially like that. I love it. <laughs> Adam? Okay, so, um, I, I, I was going to talk about tattoos as well because I, I absolutely love it. We talked about it in the Barbarian episode, the second one, and about, like, tattooing. Um, you would tattoo your own personal history on your body and then your, uh, ancestors would actually keep the flaps of your skin that have been like tanned and leather now and they, and they pray essentially and they meditate on, you know, their tribal history by, by carrying around tattoos of their deceased, um, you know, forefathers and whatnot. And I think that that would be a really cool thing for a necromancer in the, in the book of the dead to the necromancy tradition is... You're, you're trying to be a good enough wizard where you can make your own spell. And when you do, you tattoo it on your body. And the person that kills you is the one that gets to, to learn that spell and pass it on. And so your spell book is looking for scraps of other dead wizards' bodies. Trying to, trying to put shit together. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, because, uh, you know, I, I wanted to go dark with it. Dan... Dan went uh, a little bit like, oh, almost a prison break ish, right? Where you look at, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You peel your shirt off, and you can you can see all the clues, put it all together, but nobody else can figure it out. I like the idea of you carrying a book that is just 
it's a leather book and every page is leather and every page has a single spell on it and you just just you just keep adding pages to it and it all the pages from the flesh of, of another person yeah and so now when you're looting bodies you can turn to the to the dungeon master and say hey did, was this mage someone who had made a pact with someone? Did they inherently have it? Or did, were they a wizard and they knew it? Can I find this spell tattooed somewhere? And it gets you yeah. kind of thinking outside the box on making your own spells and adapting things. And and maybe maybe you can do little annotations. And this is why you can cast Magic Missile at higher levels as you level. Right? Like, I, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a lot of fun. That uh, like the idea. It, it sounds like it sounds like Dan's character does not want to meet your character, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. My my character walks around with like a, a paring knife, right? Just <laughs> it, he it's it, one like he's got his, his belt of uh, pouches for all the spell components, and yeah. the number one thing on it is this paring knife that he just. <laughs> will slowly remove pieces of skin of the recently deceased. No, 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 hold on, hold on, I'm sorry. Never mind. They don't have to be deceased. They could still be alive when you take the um, skin. Um, don't be a monster, Dan. There's no reason for him to kill them. Yeah. We, if on, we Dan. can spare life on this podcast, we will. Yeah. Yeah, but but then but then you have to invest in uh, chains to keep your spell book around. Uh, yep. Yeah. I, I, I'm okay with that. I also like the idea of maybe it floats behind you and screams every time you open it, but I'm, I'm just going down the <laughs> necromancer road at the moment. <laughs> I, like, I like the idea of every time the book screams, if, if nobody expected it, that the necromancer apologizes like a quick, ah! and then just, excuse me, <laughs> it just carries on so nothing's <laughs> happened. <laughs> the, uh, no, I, I think he looks up and smiles and goes, ah, 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 did I get anyone? <laughs> ah, fuck, you guys didn't jump. Hey, come on, lo- tough crowd. love it okay (laughs) love it okay well let's explore the idea of ambitions then uh so few aspiring wizards undertake the study of magic without some personal goal in mind and that makes absolute sense there there is going to be a reason why uh why a person undertakes the study of magic there's going to be something they try uh and achieve um so really beyond the obvious you have to think why does your character study magic what are they looking to gain from all of this so for example examples within uh, xanathar's here uh, is if uh, if you can fully understand magic you can unlock its use um for all and usher in an era of equality so you may have a, a good aligned goal in mind or uh, arcane power must be taken away from those who would abuse it so that's something very good aligned um adam i don't know if your character you were describing there is is good aligned i'm sure they have their reasons for what they're doing um but we should re-roll and maybe explore some unique ideas and our take on on wizard's ambitions sure okay you ready all right let's do it oh natural 20 i bitches. got a natural 20 as well dan are you kidding me i promise you <laughs> promise you this and also adam's okay. here too so yeah <laughs> okay 10 oh. terry sorry hang on a back 14 all right you're going first bud okay Oh, right. I have this idea for an ambition um, of correcting a mistake. Something has gone wrong that your wizard needs to correct. Because what we do is we see these wizards, obviously they're very intelligent, right? Academically, they must be um, if they can manipulate nature and magic. Uh, But I like the idea of 
whether it be in their past or something they came across as an apprentice that they shouldn't have, they've made some huge mistake, and so they need to study magic in order for them to correct that mistake. It may be that they've, you know, knocked some artifact or whatever it is and twisted time or, or released some avatar of a, of a god just sort of channeling Adam's mind there. Uh, but I like the idea um, of this very academically intelligent wizard whose ambition is solely to correct their own catastrophic mistake. I like it. I like that. This person's probably an evoker. Uh, no, I like the idea of them trying to dig into the idea of time magic to be able to go back in time to undo it, but they're not powerful right. enough yet. Like that That's yeah. the level 20 goal, right? Is to end of the campaign, yeah. I need to go back. Yeah, yeah I like that. I love it. I love it. Uh, so for me, um, I, simply spite. Uh, you get into magic out of spite. Someone told you once you couldn't do it. Um, you weren't, uh, maybe you were a lowborn. You were, uh, never going to amount to anything. You were never the smartest person in your class. Um, but you were by far the most, let's say, committed, the most disciplined, the most persistent person in your class. And, uh, someone has said, there's no way you could do it. So out of spite, you do it. Um, I do a lot of my life out of spite. So <laughs> this, this, this is, uh, this is, this, this fits well. Um, I don't necessarily think this has to be a bad, uh, or sorry, an evil character or, or even a, just a two dimensional character. I think this could breathe in a lot of weight because it could be your family has been telling you you will never amount to anything. And here you are trying to put yourself through wizard school. Yeah. Um, and Dan, then you have an Dan, is that why you have kids? Of- is that why you have kids? Because we told you all through high school that you were never going to get laid? Probably. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I kind of even view the class system with that, Dan. I imagine this very low-born person determined to prove themselves... Um, because of all of the, the upper class people that get to attend the Wizard University, uh, because mommy and daddy pay for it, uh, and they kind of have a chip on their shoulder there. But uh, I, I like the idea. I like the idea. We've become too nice. Do you remember when we just used to tell each other each other's ideas sucked and they're wrong? <laughs> yeah, well, I keep trying to give Dan shit, but he just agrees with me and it's driving me up the fucking wall. Like, <laughs> God, God damn it, Dan. <laughs> I mean, you have points. You have a solid, <laughs> worthwhile points. It's like bullying somebody at school and the kid that you're bullying is going, you're right, these shoes are ridiculous. I'll never wear them again. Yeah, no. It's it's called killing with kindness. It's That's, that's, my, whole, next, that's all, my whole goal. Next time, I'm just bringing a fucking switchblade. <laughs> Social distancing, bitch. <laughs> all right, fine. I'll bring a blow dart. Let's do this. <laughs> okay, so uh, my ambition is uh, very similar uh, to dance, but it doesn't have the uh, pent up, um, the the little pent up rage that comes along with it. I think that you the angst, yeah, because I don't play edge lords because I'm not a dick. So um, I I uh, I would have the wizard who is the only mundane person in their family of sorcerers for generations. And this one came through. It, you know how it's always like, oh, the one sorcerer that pops up once every ten generations? Now this whole family tree is sorcerers, and you didn't get it. You are the anomaly. And so you just said, fine, I'm, I've, I have to go out and I have to get magic. In order to be a part of this family, I have to have magic. And I have to prove that yeah, I'm good enough. And it's not, fine, fuck you. It's just like, 
my family's a magical family. I I can't I can't go on the boat with them be, that flies through the air because I can't I don't have the spells to be able to cast Featherfall on myself at at whim, right? So I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna do it, and then and then the wizard finds out that uh, he's got a lot more access to a lot more spells out there, and his whole idea after I don't know tier two is to take this knowledge back to the sorcerers and show them how they can be even more powerful with an expanded spell list. I really like it. No, actually, I, I, I really, really like it. Um, I, I especially like the the fact that your wizard could eventually become far more powerful than the sorcerers. Well, yeah, I, um, I think every sorcerer probably gets like level level eight, right? Like that's, you wouldn't call it that. You'd be like, oh, they're mid-tier sorcerers, right? Or whatever. Yeah. But but you yeah but I mean you get to a point where you could you could manipulate any social situation you get to a point where you could um, you you have the ability to flex and and defend yourself and you've got that gigantic charisma that you could sail on for the rest of your life you don't need to like study hard to be a sorcerer you don't need to study hard to succeed in life as a sorcerer you just have to wing it You're, you'll be fine yeah you have the discipline of the wizard who's sitting there like no 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 no. I have to do this. And then eventually that becomes a, a bit of a drive and a passion for them to just continue. Like not only, I know I'm the be- best one in my family now, but there's still stuff I could learn. <laughs> and, and and you see as a dungeon master too, I, I have this really cool dynamic now that I'm not going to go murder their family because I'm going to have a family reunion. Right. And I'm going to do it at like level 14 when this guy's more powerful, but there's still going to be some people who are like, Oh, you had to learn that. He goes, yeah, but look what I can do, right? And you actually get a decent family dynamic, which is goddamn unheard of in D anD. d Yeah, yeah. My sister's missing. I'm avenging my dead wife. My child was was murdered in front of me. Or everyone's happy until level three, and then you find your farmstead burnt to the ground. That's what it is to have a family in D anD. d Right. So, mm-hmm. so I, I'm looking for something different. Yeah, <laughs> love it. All right, guys. Okay, so the last one for topic one that I want to explore. I want to explore um, eccentricities. And uh, I think this one makes perfect sense. And it's something I didn't really think of too much before uh, before this episode. But it's according to Xanathar's, and I think this is right, endless hours of solitary study and research are going to have a negative effect on anyone's social skills. Um, so <coughs> already... Fuck off. <laughs> this is already a <laughs> defined to begin with. And no exception. And do you know what's really funny? Is that wizards typically uh, be essentially wizards are the nerds of the nerds, right? In the in the uh, yeah. in the D and D world, and we make fun of this fact all the time with people about nerds. They can be very smart, but they have no social skills. And there's there's all kinds of eccentricities we can play. And I think wizards are the perfect class for this because no matter which one you choose, it's going to be correct. Because in order for them to get to that level of their ability, they've been removed. From Challenge the... accepted. Right, but it's like they've been removed from the world so much to do that. It's like they're going to have this warped view of reality. Oh, well, with regards to magic, but also people in the world and everything. So two examples from Xanathar's right here. So your fashion sense and grooming, or more accurately lack thereof, sometimes cause others to assume you are a beggar. I love this. Because this is definitely true to people. The people out there in the world that we... For example, somebody in my life that I know, I, I, I would go and see a lot of a lot of scientists. 
with this person at various times in the year. And I used to walk into that room and I'd think, you guys, every single one of you looks like you've been roundhouse kicked to a value village. What the fuck are you wearing? Like, it's and it's just because their minds are so focused on the scientific problem, what they think is the true thing, that they end up looking like a beggar when they come outside. Another example being um, here from Xanathar's is you never enter a room without looking to see what's hanging from the ceiling. Makes absolute sense. If, if, it's, if that is what your focus is in your private life, for whatever reason, whether it be like astronomy or whatever the wizard's into, that would make sense, but it's going to be odd for everybody else. So last I one. would like to point out, I do that. You look at the like, ceiling? Just me as Dan. I look at the ceiling, I look at the floorboards, and I look at everything. Like, I will walk into a room, and it's like a Doppler radar effect, where I could be able to tell every single thing that's wrong with the finishing carpentry inside that room that? within an instant. And it drives me insane. I have gone to restaurants my entire life, and then I will walk into them again, and like, after not being in them for like a year, and I'll start seeing issues with the wainscoting or the fascia or something that is wrong, and it just tweaks me, and, I'm, and I, I get physically uncomfortable. That, that, that is a perfect example, Dan, of what I'm talking about, because that is your craft, that's your expertise, right? So when you go to another area, you're laughing at yourself, saying, oh, I'm looking at the ceiling, uh, because, because that's what you do. But I'm the same, for me, you know, in my job, I do a lot of public speaking, a lot of coaching, a lot of training of... of of large teams so when i go in a room with a fresh people like and i'll go to shake someone's hand i'm like what are you doing look at me i'm talking to you look at me in the face why are you looking down there or when there's like a six second pause after a question i'm like what the hell's the matter with this person because that's that's my thing that i focus on so anyway all that aside last role um example of eccentricity are you ready sure let's go yeah, let's do it i just botched 15 I got a 16. There we go. Fuck, finally. Okay, so. Oh, Adam, you're here. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, yeah, I was just, I was, I was fuming. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, I would say that the eccentricity that uh, my character would have is that he is smart enough to know that he is not the most charismatic person in the room. And so he's consistently right. trying to um, mimic the other people around him, the face of the party, the paladin <laughs> who's standing up straight and looking people in the eye. He's also standing up straight and looking in the eye, right? Like, Which just doesn't look good. yeah, he's, he's just he's just he's just mimicking what everybody else is doing. When the bard is singing and whatnot, he goes back to his to his tent afterwards and goes, <clears throat> "Do re mi hum." <laughs> Fuck, right? And so, like, he's he's trying to just be as social as as everyone else. Everyone with a high charisma check, and that is. Goddamn half the fucking people in the player's handbook, right? Half of the classes are yep. charisma mm -hmm. casters, right? So uh, he's sitting there and he goes, and he's, but he's smart. He knows it. So he's, he's always sitting there and he's going, guys, guys, I've got this really cool thing that we can all do together. It's, it's called um, mansions and mundanes. Do you guys want to play? But he can never find a group of people to play with. Oh, it's tragic in a way. It's, but it's so true. So, yeah, there we go. Um, there, there we go. That That's that's mine. Cool. Uh, for me, I've got, um, we, we've said that these guys are the nerds nerd. Um, and quite often in a party, the, the wizard is seen as the guy who knows the obscure fact or weird piece of information. Um, and they're the ones who are relied upon. Um, I would have, uh, for my character, I would definitely have a character who knows that this is true, that he knows most everything, but he he doesn't want to be the center of attention. He doesn't want to be that font of information. Right. 
So he'll let other people speak first, but he just can't help doing the, uh, mm, well, uh, like that, that, that inhale of just like, oh, you're, you're, you're starting to get wrong. Yeah. Like the, he's the, um, actually, like, oh, um, actually God. you just, uh, you got it wrong on one little point, <laughs> but you know, good try. It's actually the third star on the right, not the fourth. But you know, I can understand. I mean, you don't under you don't speak ancient Elven, um, which I mean is rudimentary, basically. But I mean, I get it. You you spent more time plucking the strings on your wood box. <laughs> we don't need to know how much time you're plucking the strings on your wooden box. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So so it's it's the guy who is the know it all, knows that that won't work out for him, but can't resist to like throw in. Little bits of, uh, like, no, so I, close. I have like, heard you play this character like seven fucking times, Dan, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> this is one of your go-to NPCs that, you know, has much information, but you want to, like, throw in a monkey wrench. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to get the fucking annoying one then. I yeah. think we murdered him <laughs> in, in Deep Dark Radiance, didn't we? And we just fucking murder uh, Winky. No, we didn't murder him. Yeah, you guys murdered him. No, Winky. we didn't murder him, but we let him die, and then we're not particularly sad about it. So, be- no. because he was no. he was this character, I I I like this character, but God damn it, Dan! If I hear you say "well, actually" one more time, because I know I can picture you. You are pretending to push invisible glasses up <laughs> the bridge of your nose with one finger right now. Where every time you say "well, hey, um, hey. actually," because that is your mannerism, um, it drives me up the fucking wall. <laughs> Adam, Adam, I'm actually Fuck it's off. two fingers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, Terry, what do you got? I uh, I have this idea that I thought of earlier. Um, I was I was watching a quick uh, uh, podcast clip of uh, Russell Brand talking to, to Ricky Gervais, and they were discussing uh, the idea of the, the characters in the UK and the American office, so Michael Scott and David Brent, and this, this tragedy that goes along with them just trying essentially so hard to be famous, to be accepted, this idea of do they love me yet? And I think it falls into the world a lot the idea if you guys follow gary v he talks a lot about um you know stop stop buying shit to impress people that you don't even like and and this is the world all over the place right so i and it's touching on what adam said a little bit this idea of we know that the 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 impressive fighter and the charismatic warlock and the and the bard are going to get all of the attention and they're the people that roll to seduce the barmaid and all that and so this idea of this wizard just trying so hard to fit in but just comes across as an idiot it comes across as a tryhard comes across as it, it's just laughable because they they're trying so hard to fit in this 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 tragic idea of do they love me yet which is what people do when they try so hard to be famous, right? And this idea of, no, they don't love you. They, they, they want you to fail. We watch Big Brother. We watch Survivor. We watch these reality TV shows because we want to watch people make a fool of themselves because that's the entertainment. Um, and so this, this tragedy that goes along with that, which is just doing anything for the barbarian to accept them instead of just tripling down on their own skill, which is, hey, by the way, you're a freaking genius you can manipulate the world around you. But instead of being so focused on that, that thing which makes you truly special, you're just trying to be as cool as the bard over there. And I think there's going to be a lot of hilarity that goes with that. But I think that that underlying sense of tragedy around the table as well um, would make for a good character. Yeah, I think that that's sad. But then, you know, you've got to have that character grow over the course of the campaign. Yes, so that yeah. by the last sessions, they have come into their own. 
right? And yeah. so I think that that's, that should be the goal. And I would communicate that with my dungeon master before I, I even started playing this character. I just yeah, want to be like, it. hey, look, I'm super fucking pathetic. Um, and, um, and because it's not to say that everyone that's like that is super fucking pathetic. It's just when you're playing a fantasy role-playing game once a week to blow off steam, you're going to ham it up a bit. Right. So, so I'm going to play this up. Um, but I do want to have an arc and I want to end where he does find his own self-worth. Yeah, exactly. And it's not that you're right. It's, it's not that they're, they're pathetic. It's just, they're not trickling down on the right area of, of, of who they are. You know, for me as a person, like, this is going to sound strange. Dan, you have, uh, I'm sure, the most skilled hands in the world. What, Dan, what you can do with My your God, hands thank you, you. Is, is, is unbelievable, thank you. okay? Because I've got, I'm all thumbs. I really am. And so I can't triple down on that area of my life pretending that I can craft things as good as Dan. I've got to do my own thing. But we have those people out there where they do. They try and pretend so hard. They do. They love me yet. Do they love me yet? And, and but you're right. You have to grow. And if you if you don't grow, it won't work. But uh, but yeah, well, that's me. Terry. Yes. Terry, I just got to say the thumbs are the second most important appendage. I almost asked, what's the first? <laughs> the nose. Yeah, the nose. Yeah, moving on. And we're going to move on to a short break. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Megan here. If you or a loved one are looking to jazz up your in-game experience with specific 3D printed mini pieces for tabletop furniture, castle walls, trap doors, or other useful items to add to your maps and worlds, well, it's kind of your lucky day. We've actually paired with a local Vancouver business called Diabolical Dungeoneers, who are dedicated to adding that other dimension to your game. You can find custom 3D printable items through their Facebook and Instagram at Diabolical Dungeoneer, or at their website at www.diabolicaldungeoneer.com. And for a limited time, if you use promo code MIMIC2020, you get 10% off your first order. Uh, Shipping is only available here in the lower mainland of Vancouver, BC, so reach out and inquire through their website. Happy gaming, and always feel free to share photos with us and other D&D communities. Thank you. And we're back. (laughs) I did not miss that. Fuck. Okay, team. Topic two. We're going to talk about subclasses. So each of us has our own, and and I'll let you guys say what you what your subclass is when you get there. We'll roll through it for it. We'll take our turns going through. And uh, are you guys ready to go? Uh, absolutely. Yep, let's roll. I got a fifteen. Thirteen. Two. I got a two. You got a two, Adam. I got a two. Adam, this is a couple of episodes in a row where you haven't been rolling very well. Well, I'm either getting in the high teens or the fucking low single digits. It's, you know, I'm, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. <laughs> That's it. Uh, okay, so I guess I'm going first then, hey? Yep. Yep. Today I will be, I will be exploring the school of transmutation. <laughs> transmutation, guys, turn a shit into other shit. Um, is essentially what we're doing here. So you're a student of spells that modify energy and matter. To you, the world is not a fixed thing, but eminently mutable, and you delight in the being of an agent of change. Okay, the the amount of pressure. I've got a couple of wheat beers in me while I'm trying to read this. I'm sick of all this academic wizard stuff. Um, when I can't say these words, you know when you when you search like word definitions on Google and then it says it out loud so you can hear how it's pronounced. Had to do that a couple yep. of times uh, earlier on in the week. <laughs> so uh, I'll go through the abilities by level uh, that comes with this with the subs class. Um, but uh, beginning uh, when you select this school at second level, transmutation savant. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 
the golden time you must spend a copy of transmutation spell into your spell book is halved. Quick easy one. Guys, do you have any beef with this with this at all? No, it's the same as all the other same classes. All the, all the other uh, yeah, we, schools. We touched yeah. on it in the last episode. It's cool. It's fine. Whatever. Um, what We did talk about gold a little bit before. I think if gold is a bigger issue, it might be more important. But sure, whatever. Um, also starting yeah. at second level, you get minor alchemy. So when you select this school, you can temporarily alter the physical properties of one non-magical object, changing it from one substance into another. You perform a special alchemical procedure on one object composed entirely of wood stone but not a gemstone iron copper or silver transforming it into a different one of those materials for each 10 minutes you spend performing the procedure you can transform up to one cubic foot of material after one hour or until you lose your concentration as if you were concentrating on a spell the material reverts to its original substance this for me just before i let you guys comment on it um this subclass got me thinking. It's one of those ones where I think you need to be a little bit more experienced with D&D to play it. And you need to have either a very creative mind or you, you've played D&D so much you essentially know what your options are. And you have ideas from experience and what to do. But I just want to get your guys' thoughts on this one. Um, personally, I like it. Except for the fact that it requires concentration. Right. Nope. nope. Um, I absolutely love it. No, I sorry, Dan. I think the concentration thing is hilarious because two of those things were copper and silver, right? Yes. Oh, I guess that's true. So, yep. so you are now ten times richer than you were. You count up all your copper pieces. Bang, they're all silver pieces. You, you hand them to yeah. the merchant, turn around, walk away, and you get inside the distance, or you drop your concentration, and they're back to copper. And the merchant's like, "What yeah. the fuck?" And like, I just think that's a lot of fun. I love the idea of the the either the rogue or the bard, along with the wizard, pulling the con. And the yeah. bard's like, I'll do the talking, you just stand there in the corner and just concentrate on this spell. And just kind of standing there wide-eyed, sort of shaking, trying to not let this gold turn back into silver. And uh, yeah. and the shop keeps like, what the hell's the matter with him? Him? Oh, don't worry about him. <laughs> like, um, I think it'd be uh, great for a good role-play encounter. I, I don't know, man. I see you walking up to the side of a castle wall and... Um, you spend 10 minutes making that one foot cube. You spend 20 minutes making a two foot cube for someone to get in through the castle wall as you transform that stone into wood and then just chop the wood out. Like, and the, who cares if it tri- uh, uh, goes back to stone by the time your concentration's done? Yeah. That that hole still exists. Yeah, See, well, it's... It, it, it's not even that, right? Like when the fighter is carrying around six freaking great axes, and you're like, "No, man, just just pick one, and I will carry yeah. a and carry a wooden one, okay? Because iron is on this list, right? This is really useful when you got to go fight uh, werewolves, right? Because silver's Ooh. on the list, right? There there's go. there's some cool stuff in here. Think about weapons as well. Oh, like, I like I like Dan's like. Um, see, I went role playing. Dan went exploration, and now here I am on combat. So there we go. There are your pillars. Yeah. I think I think there's a lot of fun to be had with this. I think so too. I think I think I like how the fact that all of our minds went to very different places, uh, and I'm a little bit ashamed that mine immediately went to trying to find ways to rip people off. But yeah, <laughs> just, yours were good. Yeah, that okay. tracks though, Terry. Yeah, I, I just want to throw one more thing out there, uh, just for like a good combat encounter. Uh, if you have a transmutation wizard in your party, give them at least one encounter that is like a magnetic encounter. 
Just so that that guy could feel like a fucking god for a minute as he makes everyone's metal into wood. Oh, no, no, it's, not even, it's not even that, man. Make it make it fighting between rowboats. So he's just going to look at that wood on the rowboat and go, what do you say? Huh. Okay. Huh. And just suddenly, <laughs> suddenly the boat is sinking because now it's made of stone. Right? Yep. Or, or you do it to the mast of a sailing ship and it'll just plunge the mast through the ship and sink it. Right? Like, yeah. You make the you make the first like two cubic feet of the mass solid iron, and it just plummets through the ship. Yeah, like, there could be some funnier. I would I would be looking up in real life how much does cute does two cubic feet of iron weigh, right? And like I would look do it for all of the things. So um, I, love, I, I, I think it's so really you fun because because I know that me as a DM, of, of course, I would not research that out the million things you have to research as a DM, and then that would just be that encounter killer and that would be another dm saying adam i'm afraid you're not allowed to play in this game anymore because you've ruined it well it's <laughs> um, just by, there's by just the another way, subclass i'm not allowed to play yeah, yeah. by <laughs> by the way a, a, a cubic foot of iron would weigh 491 pounds well yeah that Beauty. would do it through a couple of boards yeah <laughs> however i would like to point out copper a cubic foot of copper would weigh 559 pounds really and silver is even denser, weighing 655 pounds for a cubic foot. Is it really? Yeah. So if you want to really mess up a ship, don't change it into iron. Change it into silver. Man. Nice. Who'd have known? Stay in school, kids. All right. <laughs> starting the sixth level, you get transmuter stone. I like this one. You can spend eight hours creating a transmuter stone that stores transmutation magic. You can benefit from the stone yourself or give it to another creature. A creature gains a benefit of your choice as long as the stone is in the creature's possession. When you create the stone, choose the benefit from the following options. So you get dark vision out to a range of 60 feet as described in chapter eight of adventuring and the PHB. An increase to the speed of an, an increase to a speed of 10 feet while the creature is unencumbered. Proficiency in constitution saving throws or resistance to acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder damage. Uh, your choice whenever you choose this benefit. Um, each time you cast a transmutation spell at first level or higher, you can change the effect of your stone. That's worth noting. If the stone is on your person, if you create a new transmuter stone, the previous one ceases to function. Love this. You can get real creative with it. What are your thoughts on this? I have zero issue with any of this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, it is super flavorful. It's super awesome. Um, it's got, man, it's just, it's just got so much to it. Like this, this is your flavor in this class. Right. Um, and I, I look at all of the other schools and I find it hard to find a class feature given at sixth level that is as flavorful as the transmuter stuff. I like it. I like the increase to speed or you can give dark vision to your Triton so they can see in their own home. Yep. Um, Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Tenth level, Shape Changer. You can add the Polymorph spell to your spellbook if it isn't there already. You can cast Polymorph without expending a, sub a spell slot. When you do so, you can target only yourself and transform into a beast whose challenge rating is one or lower. Once you cast Polymorph in this way, you can't do so again until you finish a long or short rest, but you can still cast it normally using available spell slot. Beef with this one at level ten? Uh... uh... Yeah. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, I gotta say that this is weak, and I'm just... I have to say, remember what it says about Polymorph. Um, that you... Uh, you the, the target's game statistics, so yours, including mental ability scores, are replaced by the statistics of the Chosen Beast. You retain your alignment and personality, 
but you do not retain your ability to speak or think or reason. And we're talking less mm. than CR1. So if you turn yourself into a toad, you're a fucking toad. You're just you, a toad. Yeah, you're yeah. just a toad. You're not sitting there hopping around and I'm going to go scout out the area around the corner. No, you're not. That's not how this works. This is not like this is not the druid's ability to turn into a beast, right? And maintain their yeah. own mental stats. This is you just just bloop, and I'm I'm a crow. I will fly. And I will just fly away. And you have to get injured and you don't know that anymore. Right? Yeah. You have to you have to get dropped below zero hit points, right? In order to, to drop yeah, but, out of this. But, so like I don't know. Um for a tenth level ability, that's that's cool it's crippling it, it's cool and it's going to be the, the way that you don't end up with a total party kill because that one guy turned into a fucking earthworm and just started to burrow but then pops up you know 17 years later all of a sudden out of like a crow explodes because it swallowed the earthworm and now there's a wizard sitting there covered in blood and, and burned bones and feathers right because because he finally took enough damage and so like this is again yeah i think it's crippling I, I don't think this is nearly as cool as you want it to be. They should have added that you keep your mental stats. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you if that if that's the rule, absolutely. Because, I mean, that plan of, okay, well, turn into a spider and crawl through the door lock is not going to work when you become the spider and you have no idea what you're doing. Like, you're, yeah. just, you're just biting people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I also have the an issue with it being once... Per short rest, but you're never going to use that it. Also, right? Like that's. But you're, I know, I know, you're never going to use it. But if if it if we assume that uh, they added this in with the intention of you having retained your mental skills, which I'm going to do. Uh, if I have a transmuter on the table, I'm going to let them keep their mental skills if they cast polymorph on themselves. Um, but I, um, if if we assume that that's the truth with this then it's giving them polymorph once per short rest. That's it. Right? And it's 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 not it's it's not enough. It's just not. Like you look at the tenth level ability from the other schools and they're all so much better, so much massively like massively better than this. Yeah, um, but you got you got it just seems ill thought out. No 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 you got it feels like they hit it out of the park with the uh transmuter stone and then went, I don't know, fucking shape shifting? Sure. <laughs> no, but but Dan, that's the point of it, right? Is they gave you the most powerful sixth level, right? And so they gave you a weaker tenth level to balance that out. That's the point. This is meant for role playing. This is not a combat or an exploration thing, is my point. Right? Where they're like, oh we'll only let three people into the room, but there's a party for the transmutation wizard goes, fine, I'll turn into a fucking cat. Right, and but that, how many times are you going to use that in the campaign? Well, right, very little. How often are you going to use the the sixth level ability? Way more often than you use any other wizard's sixth level ability. So I think it balances. I think that the sixth level one, uh, you know, swings harder than normal, and I think the tenth level one swings a fuck of a lot weaker. But it balances. Yep, I'm, so, I'm with you on that one. So yeah. it within within the idea of the, how the wizards are built, this makes sense to me. I don't like it. I think that it's weak, and they maybe should have swapped them. Uh, uh, they uh, they just needed to make it that one. They need to add that one sentence. You retain your mental capabilities. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. But what about this for fourteenth level? You get master transmuter, so you can use your action to consume the reserve of transmutation magic stored within your transmute. 
transmuted stone in a single burst. So when you do so, you choose one of the following effects. Your transmuted stone is destroyed and can't be remade until you finish a long rest. So a major transformation is an option. So you can transmute one non-magical object no larger than a five-foot cube into another non-magical object of similar size and mass uh, and of equal or lesser value. You must spend 10 minutes handling the object to transform it. Um, panacea as an option. You remove all curses, diseases, and poisons affecting a creature that you touch with a transmuter stone. The creature also regains all its hit points. I know we might have something to say about that. Um, or you can do a restore life. So you cast the raise dead spell on a creature you touch with a transmuter stone without expending a spell slot or needing to have the hell this spell in your spellbook so that also means no material component no diamond required uh restore youth you touch the transmuted stone to a willing creature and that creature's apparent age is reduced by 3d 10 years to a minimum of 13 years this effect doesn't extend the creature's lifespan i like the idea of a 13 year old child walking around that's really like 95 um, but what do you guys think of the rest of it i don't know this is this is super powered for for 14th level it's just another way that the party can't die, right? And yeah. I'm I, I've bitched about this life. before. <laughs> well, even even the the panacea, right? Like this 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 just it's too much here. It's just too much for fourteenth level, right? I You're, don't, you still got six levels to go. That's and, right. And, and I don't like what happens in this game. Is 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 we kind of touched on it before. Is it well? Adam just did. Is you is you get to the point where you're very hard to kill. Not in that you're tough. You have a lot of hit points, but in the ways that you can be killed or just taken away. And remember, so this is one character. Let's say you have four characters in your party. Even if you didn't have the transmutation wizard, you're probably gonna have a cleric, or you're probably gonna have a druid that can do something like this. You're probably gonna have, you know, something where. It's all of these things that used to be a threat in the game are taken away. So all we have left is just standing and banging for hit points and you're probably not going to die. Yeah, uh, this is just uh, all of this is really cool. I would like it better if the shit unlocked right at 14th level. You get this one at 16th. Yeah. You get this at 18th. You get this right. And so we see that in others. Right. And the other thing to keep in mind as well is. You are the powerhouse in the party at this point, right? You're casting some right. high freaking level spells, right? You are going to be hitting hard. These, All of these other things are just additional bonuses and boons because wizards like clerics and druids get freaking nuts at high level, right? Mm -hmm. And so this, this is just another, um, this is just another example of you having the, uh, this overpowering overkill. I think that when they when they made this one, they said, "Well, he needs something else that's cool." Like they forgot that he gets fucking access to wish. Like shit. Yeah. Let's let's uh, calm down a bit. So, um, I would, funny enough, I would disagree with you on this one, Adam. I actually really like this ability. I think it fits for level fourteen. I don't think it's overpowered, but I think that's because you kind of have to look at two abilities at the same time to really balance it out. Now you expend your transmuter stone to do one of these four options and to create a new transmuter stone requires eight hours of downtime on top of your spell list. Yeah. You, you can't make one until a long rest, but you've basically removed this transmuter stone feature, which is, which we've mentioned, the greatest feature you can have as a transmuter uh, wizard. 
Um, it's heavily weighted towards the abilities that Transmuter Stone gives you. This basically removes it until you have eight hours of uninterrupted time to recreate a new Transmuter Stone. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you could restore someone's life. But if you are at level 14 in the middle of a narrative, in the middle of a, uh, you know, uh, plot arc that requires urgency and, 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 uh, movement, you're not getting another transmuter stone for a day, maybe two, right? Like it, it, I understand it. I think, I think that's how they balanced this out. Um, and like, let's be completely honest at level 14, Diseases and poisons aren't a threat, so you're you're curing curses. Curses um, aren't a threat. The major transfer remove, remove curses like a level four or five spell. Like it's, it's there's nothing going on there but, either. But Dan, I think- yeah, but remove curses also includes things like you know cursed weapons or stuff like that, right? Like, and at, you're right at level fourteen, it's less of a threat. But I would still say there's a threat of a threat of a curse at level fourteen. Diseases and poisons pose zero threat at all. I see what you're saying. And, and I think, and, and clearly that, you know, after, at a long rest and then plus the additional eight hours to do it, that text is very deliberate. That's been thought through. And I think you're right, Dan. It's for the reason so that you don't just get it automatically every day. You have to spend some time. But you said it there yourself where you said, uh, you know, level 14. So diseases and poisons aren't an issue anyway. And, and as soon as you said it, I thought, yeah, see, we're even at the point where we just expect the diseases and poisons are not even an issue. I know this is something for another episode, but that's that's my thinking with this. It's like nothing kills us at level 14 like a, a human wizard is still just an old man 14th level yeah he can manipulate magic but i feel like he should still be able to die of alcohol poisoning like it's it's just a whole other thing where it's the ways the threats in the world are just removed and it just becomes expected that hey you're 14th level don't worry disease isn't going to affect you um i mean yeah you're not you're not worrying about disease or poison but you're worrying about eldritch horrors from beyond the veil you're worrying about you know invading armies of drow that you're responsible for like diseases isn't going to kill you stress might but disease won't i don't know i I think one day i'm gonna have the twist in my campaign is going to be that you defeat the eldritch horror but then shortly after die of tuberculosis that's going to be the thing that nobody expects No, I, I gotta say, the other thing about this that drives me a little bit up the wall is that there's no consistency between the spell schools, because, I'm sorry, but being able to remove curses, diseases, poisons, regain all your hit points, and restoring life, you cast a raised dead spell, that should be a necromancy. I don't know why this is in transmutation. And we get that all the time, the blurring of the lines between the spell schools, but yeah. the, spell, the spell schools are incredibly imbalanced right? Transmutation didn't need this. Transmutation has 65 fucking spells. Out of the 308 that are available in the player's handbook, Xanathar's uh, Sword Coasts, and the Elemental Evil Player's Companion, there there are 308 spells. Transmutation has the most with 65, right? Necromancy has 27, less than half. Why is this sitting here? You're stepping on toes. We didn't need this shit here. It makes it ridiculously overpowered con- considering what you are able to do, right? You're essentially just casting... This is better than heal, right? The actual spell heal. This is better yeah. than that. And yes, it uses up your slot, uh, uses up your stone, but so does having only one spell slot, right? Of of that, of that, uh, of that spell level. So this is no different than you just getting an additional high level spell slot. No, I, I still don't like it. I still think it's too powerful, especially because you don't even need to know 
the raise dead spell. It doesn't need to be in your spell book. You can just fucking do this. It's too Mary Sue to me. Take the shit off the table. I don't like it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that's that's it for transmutation. I uh, I forget who was going next. Dan, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was me next. Uh, so I got the School of Evocation, um, which is, I don't know, the typical. Like, it, it's the stereotypical Dungeons and Dragons wizard in my mind is the evoker. It's because, you know, we cast Fireball. And hey, that's what we're doing. So an evoker is the uh, is the wizard who focuses their study on um, the explosions, the offensive spells. These are the uh, fireballs, the lightning bolts, the the cone of colds, all of these things. It, is it are. all elemental? And the, it, most of it is, right? Um, there's a lot of uh, force is involved as well, but yeah, it's mostly elemental. Okay. Um, so. Uh, at second level, when you get to have your school, you get your evocation savants. That does the same thing as all the other savant skills do. Um, your time and cost of putting evocation spells in your spell book is halved. Moving on. Uh, at second level, you also get sculpt spells, which gives you the ability to uh, avoid hitting one plus the spells level creatures in a evocation spell. So if you drop a fireball... It's a third level spell. You could avoid hitting four other creatures with that spell. Okay, so it's it's within the area of effect, then, is what you're saying. Within the area of effect, yeah. So, basically, uh, what it does is you still technically get hit by the spell, but you're basically granting them an evasion that's an auto success on the spell. They get auto immunity to this one thing. Well, no, it's not auto immunity. It is... They uh, succeed on their saving throw against the spell and take no damage if they would normally take half damage. It's not immunity. Okay. Adding the word immunity would add a lot of other shit to it. Okay. But this this is basically this the spell is warping around these people, right? And it's one plus the spell's level with no real limit. So if you're casting a ninth level uh, spell, you could avoid hitting ten people if you wanted. Yeah, you know, sure. I don't sure. mind. It's within your area of expertise. It makes sense that you would have practiced and specialized in manipulating yeah. that spell. I think, and as someone who has gotten no end of shit for you know blowing up my party with fireballs, I'm happy this is around. <laughs> yeah, um, so is your party. the uh, The thing about yeah. this is that I feel like I don't know. It still feels early to me, but it's very thematically on point, and I don't think it's game breaking. So I would love to have seen no. this at level. Four, but there's no such thing as a fourth level um, uh, class subclass feature. So fine, I, I'll accept yep. it at level two. So at sixth level, you get potent cantrip, which is when um, your damaging cantrips affect even the creatures that avoid the brunt of the effect. Um, if a creature succeeds on a saving throw against your cantrip, that creature still takes half damage, but suffers no additional effect from the cantrip. Uh. So if you say hit them with a sacred flame, which I understand isn't part of the spell, uh, the the evocation spell list here. Um, but if you hit them with a sacred flame and they make it, they're still taking half damage. Right? Um, this is kind of concerning because I can't think off the top of my head of any evocation cantrips that aren't direct target. I don't think it says it has to be evocation cantrips, though, does it? It doesn't, but it's it's... Uh, I can't think of very many wizard cantrips 
that aren't direct targets if they're damaging spells. Also, uh, hold I on. know there's a couple that are divine. No, I know like Sacred Flame and Told the Dead. Isn't I believe Chill Touch, right? I think uh, yeah. I think would create bonfire count. I I don't know. I know that that it will do fire damage, but I, is there? I don't think there's inherently a save with it. I think I think I think uh, create bonfire would. It's, I I'm pretty sure that uh, both poison spray and ray of frost are in that list. Ray of frost is a target. I know that for sure. And uh, poison spray. Uh, I don't think is a no. It's a, it's a uh, oh yeah, it's a con save. It it's a con well. save. Uh, what about uh, thunderclap? Okay, I stand corrected. There's a bunch. So, well, I wouldn't say there's a bunch. There's a handful of them, and they're not all evocation. So, yeah. So there you go. I yeah. think, I think for me, the only thing I'll say here, and, and I like to use cantrips where I can for for creative reasons. Cantrips are great, right? To kind of be creative with them, but for the damage ones, I think a sixth level already. I'm not even using cantrips for damage, and then even if I was, you know, this is just the DM going. Well, they don't take six; they take three, and you're like, all right, sure, like. Uh, for me, I wouldn't be using cantrips for damage anyway at sixth level. I don't know, man. Like it, uh, it depends. Some of them they, stack, they, right? Like some of them, when you get to certain levels, they they'll do more damage. Like when you get to fifth level, and most of the damaging ones do. Like they they get additional dice that aren't by any means uh, the main powerhouse behind the spell. I'm not looking at you, Eldritch Blast, <laughs> but uh, are still they're still like you'll still be able to contribute significantly or at least uh, contribute Average meaningfully <laughs> to any sort of combat. Yeah. Right? Like, if you run out of death, uh, run out of uh, spell slots, you could still rely on your cantrips. Yeah. That's why I always recommend, if you are a spellcaster, take at least one damaging cantrip um, just because you are saving yourself a whole hell of a lot of pain yeah. if you do. Just just, just, just um, for an example, okay? Just because we're, we're kind of talking around it. Poison spray, okay, where they've got to make a con save or take 1d12 poison damage. Well, at 5th yeah. level... The, 1d12? Yeah, at 5th level, it's 2d12. At 11th, it's 3d12. And at 17th, it's 4d12. Now, if you are so worked down at above 17th level that you are blowing cantrips and shit, or you're just holding off on your big spells, you know, there's a big battle coming, and one of the little peons makes their save, which they shouldn't, but the DM crits... They're still gonna take half of four d twelve poison damage. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I like this. I think it fits. I like that it is gonna stack. You need to keep an eye on this and remember it exists because it's not always gonna be useful or effective. You guys are right, but I think that occasionally this, this could pop up and be useful. Yeah. Okay. Um. At tenth level, very simply, you have empowered evocation. You get to add your intelligence modifier to one damage roll of any wizard evocation spell you cast. Simple. Um, by 10th level, you probably at least have a plus four. So your your fired ball is doing, you know, 66 plus four. It, it, it's a weaker level 10, but I mean, it makes sense. And how often are we down to the last hit point and those any extra point counts? So... I'm okay with it. I like it. It's a weaker 10th level ability. Um, I mean, it's it's no transmutationist. It's just, <laughs> but it's, it's good and there's nothing wrong with it. What I'm getting from the evocation class so far is it's just, it's not exciting, right? It's just... It's, yeah, there's there's nothing game-breaking here, yeah. right? There's More nothing, damage. Like, it's just, yeah. yeah. 
Well, let, let, let's talk about our level 14 ability because we'll probably talk about this one for a little while. Sure. At 14th level, you have over channel where you can increase the power of your simpler spells. When you deal a, a wizard spell of first through fifth level that deals damage, you can deal maximum damage with that spell full stop. Mm. The first time you do so, you suffer no adverse effect. However, every time you do it afterwards, you... Uh, take uh, 2d12 necrotic damage for each level of the spell. Each time you do it after that, you uh, before finishing a long rest, you add an additional 1d12 per level. This... So if you do this three times, you are you are uh, adding 3d12 a level. You do it four times, you're doing 4d12 a level. Keep in mind, you're a d6 hit points. This strikes me as... Last stand, the rest of the party's dead, and you're just slinging and hoping against the ropes, trying to take that bailout down or something. Yeah, this is you hitting it with the disintegrate. disintegrate and, yeah. No, and, no, and, it's and not disintegrate. Crit, it's not disintegrate. And then you just go, yes. Dan, it's not disintegrate, because it's fifth level or lower, right? Isn't disintegrate fifth level? No, fuck no, it's, it's higher than that. I think... Isn't I think disintegrate is fifth level, isn't it? I'm uh, guys. I'm looking at it now. It is not. What what <laughs> we're dealing with here? Your fifth level real damage spells are going to be cloud kill, cone of cold. Uh, what do we have? Um, there's not a whole lot of fifth level. Immolation, I guess, is a big one. Disintegrate um, sixth level. Yeah, yeah. So like, there are some steel wind strike. Like there are some here that are going to do steel wind strike. Used to piss me off when I was DMing against it. Because fuck, I, I hated that one. But like, your but your fireball is gonna be maximized too, right? Yeah. Like, yep. and fireball hits heavier than third level. It hits like a fifth level spell, right? And so like, there, yeah. especially when you're casting it up at fifth level, because you can upcast a lot of this stuff too. So, what's interesting here is that uh, that it's got this negative effect and starts to wither you away slowly. I like it. I really like this. I really like I really like the flavor of it. My one. My one contention is that it a, a, a D12 feels excessive. No, um, no. But I mean, I get it. Um, and on top of that, every single time you use it, it's another D12 on top. And on top of that, this damage ignores any resistance and immunities you may have. So if you're rolling into this as a, you know, fallen ace mirror. And you got that damage resistant necrotic. Doesn't matter. You're taking a full two d twelve. Yeah, but per spell, but, I like but, the but, idea I, of it sucking your whole life force out of you to try and deal as much damage as you can. It really it touches on the uh, the the uncontrollable part of magic. Like it's it's almost kind of sorcerer to me. Like wild. Like you you're not refining it. You're not controlling it. You're just blasting it out of your body. Yeah, and and I gotta say this. You're making a big deal out of these d twelves because you have a d six hit die. And I understand, but you're getting this at 14th level. You, hopefully, you have something in your constitution modifier. You should. You're a blaster wizard. You're going to be in combat. Um, but I would say, like, 2d12 is only an average of 7. Which is essentially one level of your life per level that you're casting. Right? The And so, I, I don't know. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. I also think it makes a lot of sense when the cleric is standing behind you going, all right, we're going to do the combo again. You cast, I'll heal. Let's do this, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So, and remember, you can't fucking die in D&D 5th edition by the time you're 14th level. you got to go out of your way. Your DM has got to just, just, oh my god, there's so much planning that has to go into it. But, but, uh, it's, like, there are, there's so much, I mean, Terry, you died at 14th level in D&D, and yes. you died because I had to drop you into a zone where there was no healing allowed. <laughs> that yeah. was the only way that it could happen, right? Yeah. And and you were then immediately risen as a zombie on the next turn. Because there was a paladin right there. Like, there was just... It had to be the perfect setup for it to happen. So, like, there's nothing, nothing that is going to really knock you down. Especially because you probably have a transmutation wizard standing beside you going, Oh, I can heal you or bring you back from the dead. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm still I'm still mad about that, but keep, keep going. <laughs> no, I like it. I think it's really flavorful. I think it stacks. It's really neat, and I think that it. Um, I would like this. I think they could have done this with levels of exhaustion, if all of the exhaustion comes off, um, with a with a long rest. But I'm fi- yep. I'm fine with the necrotic damage. It's easier to undo damage than it is to undo exhaustion in the heat of the moment. So I'm I'm okay with this. I really am. I think that this is fine. By the time you're at the 14th level, you've got some big-ass heels kicking around. You're going to be okay. Yeah, I like it. I just see that that last stand. And if you make it through, everything will be all right. You'll be okay. Yeah. But you might not. My one my my one contention, um, like the, my probably biggest contention with it, is that it, it takes the 14th level for the School of the Evoker to get something really cool and flavorful. Yeah. Mm. everything else is bland kind of yeah that makes sense that makes sense that makes sense that makes sense this is the actual first ability and you got to wait till your 14th level to get actual flavor no i i think you're under you're underselling the really early sculpt spells that's your big one that's the thing that makes an evoker way different than everything else that's that's solid flavor that's the one where you can choose not to hit people or to do less damage to people rather right that's where you are yeah you are fair enough like th- that's big as you said yourself you have you are guilty of much much friendly fire in your D life so so being able to hasn't happened that often but that's because i'm usually the barbarian getting hit by the fireballs whose turn is it adam all right so um yeah it's me school of conjuration now I don't know if you guys realize this, and this was entirely an accident when we sat down and came up with this, um, but we have covered the three biggest spell schools now. Transmutation, uh, there are 308. Transmutation has 65 of them. Evocation is 64. Conjuration has 49. The next mm-hmm. highest is Abjuration and Illusion. They both have 30 different spells in their spell school. 30. Yikes. That's 60% of what a Conjuration Wizard can do. That's less than half of Transmutation or, or Evocation. A Divination Wizard gets 18. 18 spells compared to 65. Between three, these three schools, we're accounting for 58% of the spells in, in the Player's Handbook, Xanathar's Sword Coast, and the uh, Ele- Elemental Evil's Player's Companion. So... So, fifty-eight percent. To, to be honest, though, it makes sense because these are the offensive spells. The conjurationist, <clears throat> the transmutationist, and the evocationist are the ones who are going on the offensive. 
All the other schools. Uh, necromancy, man. Except for maybe enchantment and necromancy. Right? But necromancy also has a lot of fucky life shit to it. <laughs> yeah, but it only has 27 spells it can do. And it got a big boost in Xanathar's. It was pretty light in Player's Handbook. I'm just saying, like, yeah. there's a reason nobody plays Divination Wizards, because you sit there and go, oh, what what spells do I get? You're like, oh, these 18 compared to the rest? Didn't see that that's, coming. That, no, that's... <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, that that that's that's weak. That's like six percent. Anyway, anyway, school of conjuration. Um, what conjuration is? Whereas transmutation is changing the nature of things, and evocation is blowing sh- shit up with elemental energy. Conjuration is producing shit out of thin air. You are um really grabbing things from nowhere and making them appear and exist in front of you. I really like this because it feels the most wizardy to me. Out of all the rest of them, I like Conjuration because you can make something from nothing. Of course, you get your Savant at second level, right? Where half the gold and half the time to copy a spell into your spell book. Sure, that's pretty standard. This might be my favorite flavor thing ever. The Minor Conjuration at second level. When you select this school, you can use your action to conjure up an inanimate object in your hand or on the ground uh, within 10 feet of you. The object can be no larger than 3 feet on a side and weigh no more than 10 pounds, and it has to be non-magical. You have to have been able to see it beforehand, and it is um, visibly magical, which means that it is radiating dim light out to 5 feet. It lasts for an hour. Um, or when you, uh, use the feature again, or if the object takes any damage, which means guys, this thing, you're on a boat and you don't have a paddle. Yeah. I got a paddle. Now you're locked in a cell and you need the key. Oh, you saw the key on the, on the jailer's belt. You now have the key. You can do so much really cool flavor with this. And it just has to be non-magical inanimate. That's it. You know what's non-magical and inanimate? Fucking acid. There is so much wow, you yeah. can do with this. This is... I, I will I will take two levels of Conjuration Wizard to go with any rogue or bard or anything else just so I can get this because now I am just fucking up to shit. I don't need to be an illusionist. I can straight up make shit for an hour. Yeah. And as long as it doesn't take damage, I don't have to concentrate on this. Take that illusionist. Just to flip it around, what I like is even though it's mundane, it appears magical. So it glows. Yeah. So now, so now you're making money in the marketplace, aren't you? With like something mundane. Ooh, look, shiny. Ah, right? Yeah, it feels like you're making this out of like a hard light construct, right? Like yeah. this is this is straight up fucking... Um, Green Lantern. It's not even... Yeah, yes, it is Green Lantern. It's also the... Uh, the hollow suite and the hollow deck from uh, from Star Trek, right? Like you're just bloop, here's a magic thing. There it is. You can interact with yeah. it like it's normal, but it will go away. And I I don't know. I think that this is low key the most powerful thing that you could do if you have an imagination. Yep. If you're playing a role playing campaign, this is amazing. If you're playing an exploration campaign, this is amazing. If you're playing a combat campaign. This is still good. You can make like, swords. It, I you can make swords. You could you could make a door. I mean, not a big door, but a door. 
You, you well, you can make a door that locked. You can make a portcullis, right? Um, no, it, yeah. it, sorry, it can be no larger than three feet on a side, and it can't weigh more than ten pounds, right? So you can you you can make a, an escape hatch, right? But the hole has to be there. You're not changing. You're not transmuting the floor into it. If you make if you make a small three foot by three foot door on the ground and you lift up the door, there's still fucking floor underneath it, <laughs> right? But you can plug something. You can, you can, um, everybody climb into the hole and I'm going to, I'm going to put up a, uh, little painting in front of it and nobody will, or an area rug and no one's doing damage to the area rug. It doesn't say that it has to hold a certain amount of pounds or anything. It's just an area rug. People will, will run right over it. Right. And it's still an area rug. And the thing is, it just glows that that's the thing. This is going to give it away. You can't be super ridiculously sneaky with it. But you could get kind of sneaky with it in some areas. You get into a into a dragon's horde where half the shit is probably glowing. There's just so much that you can do with this. Uh, and I just, honestly, this is enough. I don't need anything else from this. There's more, but I'm done. This is all I need. This thing hits way beyond its level. And the great thing is that you don't, you just have to have seen it. You don't need to be holding it. You don't need to have a precise memory of... There's all these other wording in other places about recreating things and effects and whatnot, and you don't have to do that here. You just do it. There's no limitation upon it. Do you guys have anything else to add to this? Love it. I love it. I like the... I I had a really immature thought. Um, I'm going to share it with you guys. Uh, Just because we were talking before about the super nerdy wizard. I like the idea of the super nerdy wizard... Where he's trying to, like, almost like the 40-year-old virgin where he's, like, the boobs are, like, bags of sand. And they're, like, bags of sand? I like I just had this little <laughs> scene in my head of them going, you've never seen boobs before. He's like, I have. Okay, well, show me what boobs look like using your spell. And he's like, I don't I don't know how to, I don't. And then just added. Yeah. <laughs> it was a ridiculous thing, guys, in my head. But that's what I was thinking of. And uh, Thanks, that's what Terry. I confessed to you. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, Dan, do you have anything productive to say? <laughs> have you been derailed by boobies? <laughs> Often, many times in my life. But right now, no. I honestly, I love it. I I kind of think this this might in some ways make you the best assistant to a con man. Oh. Like you pair this guy with a bard who could talk through any situation and you're golden. You just give this guy charisma and you're good. Give him like the uh, charlatan background. You give him the charlatan background as a conjuration wizard. You have as role play as a rogue as you ever need to get. Yeah, right. Like that. I. I, I mean, uh, look, look. I'm. T- you have the guy who goes. You have the guy who like pays governments and pays police forces to lock him up, and if he could get out within an hour using no spells, you know, you guys pay me. And he goes in there, he pulls out his little thieves tools that he conjures, uses them because he's got the charlatan background. Within an hour, they disappear and he walks out and like, yep, there you go. But it's not even that. You could walk in to the group of, I don't know, kobolds or goblins or whatever low intelligence mob group, your kuatoas, and, and you walk up and you and you say, I am the one true king. And they say, no, you're not. And you say, but I have the one true king's crown. I am the chosen one. And you just recreate a wooden crown. You could make it yep. bejeweled as, as, as you want, but you pull it out of your backpack, the damn thing glows, and you put it on your head. 
the fact that it glows, you can use this for so much. It's so much. Fun. I like. I love this. This is my favorite thing. Um, yeah. But let, let's move on. Um, you get benign transposition at six level, which means you can use your action. So it does take your action, but you can teleport up to thirty feet into an unoccupied space that you can see. Alternatively, you can choose a space within that range that's occupied by a smaller medium creature, and as long as the creature is willing, you guys can swap places. You can do this once per long rest. But this comes back every time you cast a Conjuration spell of first level or higher. Which should be all the freaking time because there's 49 different Conjuration spells. So I, I, it, I've I got nothing bad to yeah, say. Yeah, I like oh. it because it's tactical and it seems fair for 6th level. Yep. The next one is a Focused Conjuration beginning at 10th level. when Whenever you're concentrating on a Conjuration spell... Your con your concentration cannot be broken by taking damage. Ooh, yikes! That so, is... guys, I'm not even at 14th yet, but like this is low key one of the most powerful. Like the divination. Do you guys remember the divination was just like doing crazy shit in the background? Yeah. Everyone's looking to throw in fireballs, and these guys are like, "Oh, you know what? I can summon fairies, or I can tell you your future." But by the way, I can also fuck up everything out there, <laughs> right? Like it's I don't know. There's so much cool stuff that's going on with this guy. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing wrong, and that feels about right at tenth level, doesn't it? I'm I'm honestly upset that and and Adam, you're gonna roll your eyes at this. Other sp- other schools should get this. Oh, I think there should be a feature. I think you're right. This should just be a class feature. Yeah. Right. The the way that like the savant is in most of them, this should be something that should should be in a lot of them, especially things like illusion and enchantment and abjuration. These guys have a lot yeah. of concentration spells. I can understand the Evoker and the Necromancer not needing it, but everybody else, like, sure. This is something that would be very important. But, this anyway. This is going to be one that swings people towards this subclass, I think. Oh, I think so. Especially if... Oh, if, 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 if they are looking at the 10th level and are getting sold by the 10th level, then they haven't read the 2nd and 6th level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's honestly, each one is, is less tactical and powerful than the previous one but they're all still so useful compared to some of the shit you're getting in the others in the other schools and we still have the 14th one and again this is even less powerful because any creature that you can summon or create with a conjuration spell has 30 temporary hit points which just means that your conjurations are going to last longer i guess like there's not and it's it's creatures there's not a whole lot that you're doing with that i mean there's um, infestation, find familiar. I mean, find familiar. You're familiar having having an additional thirty temporary hit points is is useful, but you get summoning demons and elementals and fey, and I think celestials as well at this point. Um, and uh, or no, summon celestials is in the unearthed arcana. So it is it's demons and elementals, and that that's it. Right, it, but it, but they they end up having uh, more hit points, right? So I like it because it gives you another beefed up body on the battlefield, right? When you're getting towards the end of the campaign, uh, the bigger bosses. Um, I like it because at this point, thirty temporary hit points is a round of damage. You know, it, it it could give them another round on the battlefield. Yeah, I agree, especially because a lot of the stuff that you have, elementals and and demons and whatnot, you're gonna choose pretty specific ones to bring out. And yeah. they're going to have some resistances anyway. And so you could be pretty tactical with this. And this this could really work in your favor. I don't know, man. If 
I have a question then. Yeah. This any creature that you summon or create with a conjuration spell has 30 temporary hit points. With spells like Summon Lesser Demons, which is a third level conjuration spell from Xanathar's, yeah. can you summon multiple creatures with that spell? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I'm going to look that up because this gets exponentially better. If you are summoning five small demons, you now have added 150 hit points to the table, which is not insignificant. No, you're you're right. That's that's powerful. Hold on, I've got it. I've got it pretty much in front of me right now. I got it right here in front of me. Uh, you could summon eight demons of challenge rating of a quarter or lower um, that last an hour with thirty hit points more with a third level uh, conjuration spell. Quarter or lower. Hold on. Which demons are those? You're not even. That's that. You're not even going to get a closet out of that. You're going to get dretches. But I mean... Yeah, but then you have... But you have dretches with 50 hit points running across the table. Eight of them. Yeah. Because they come stock with, what, 20, right? Dretches come stock with uh, 18. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So so you're, you're, you're putting out another 180 hit points on the table and just going, go. And you're not making me lose concentration on this because I can't. Yeah. You're surrounding an enemy. You're winning one or two rounds, essentially, uh, by putting that yeah. amount of bodies out there. Yeah, you are You are keeping someone... Like, if, if there's a creature on the table, doesn't regard, doesn't matter what level you are. If there's a creature on the table that does not require flight or uh, or does not have flight or teleportation, you can lock them down with eight dretches for a turn. But that's a good use of a third level spell at level 14. What's interesting with the with the summoning is that, you know, if you roll a one or two on a d six, you get two demons of a challenge rating one, right? If you roll a three or four, you get four demons of a challenge rating half. So while you get more of yep. them, there's there's they are less powerful, but it it always says or lower, and the DM chooses the demons, which means you need to you need to sit down and talk to your DM and be like, look, man, I I love this. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm all about. Don't just choose the freaking uh, Maynez, right? When it when it comes to this, at, when I want to cast this and I get, I roll a one or two and I could have a level one or lower. Don't pick the CR one eighth, please, or at least come up with a random table you're going to roll on, so that you're just yeah. so I'm not blowing this this spell slot. Um, can can I can I uh, add a little wrench further wrench into this? Sure. Um, insofar as Summon Lesser Demons is concerned, if you cast it at a 6th or 7th level spell slot, you get twice as many demons. If you cast it with an 8th or ninth level spell slot, you get three times as many demons. So you could drop with 180. Demon, or so, yeah, no, sorry, you could drop 18. No, I'm sorry, 24. Holy shit, times 30. You're dropping an additional 720 hit points on the table. As, yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly as a you're dropping 24 more miniatures on the table as a dm i'd be like fuck you because now your turn is an hour (laughs) minimum well keep and those things aren't weak because they each have freaking 50 hit points that'll soak up a ton of damage well yeah and we're not even talking about summon greater demons right this is just this is just lesser demons but uh i i i don't know honestly the uh do you control them? Um, the demons are hostile to all creatures, including you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, you sat with a grain of salt. And this... Well, one second. 
But see, um, the DM chooses the demon such as manas or dretches. A summoned demon disappears when it drops to zero hit points or when the spell ends. Demons are hostile to all creatures, including you, but you can cast it 60 feet away. Um, and they pursue and attack the nearest non-demon to the best of their ability. As part of the casting of the spell, you can form a circle on the ground with the blood used as the material component. The circle is large enough to c- encompass your space. While the spell lasts, the summoned de- demons can't cross the circle or harm it, and they can't target anyone within it. Using the material component in this manner consumes it. If I am dropping 24 50 hit point demons on the table, I'm doing this. I'm yeah, okay, I'll 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 drop that blood around me and I'll I'll expend that blood here. That's fine. And just sit back and watch the mayhem. And then when I want to, I give up concentration, they go away cuz the spell's ended and I walk out. I don't have to do anything else on my turn. I on my turn, I'm spending my action creating little knickknacks out of nothingness cuz why the fuck not? <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. So look, that that's what I've got for the for the conjuration wizard. I think that he's super powerful, loads of fun, tons of flavor, and surprisingly badass. Right? There's so much going on with this guy because not only does he have a shit ton of spells like transmutation and evocation, but every single level something useful is happening. Yeah. Yeah. I I I like it. You can you won me over with that one. Um, it's just great to hear. And different- I mean interesting ideas on that. Dan, you sound like you're going to say something there. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you also got to remember conjuration spells are not just summoning. They're also your missy step. They're, oh, there's a they're shit your ton of teleports. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot that uh, that they can do. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, create demi-planes. That's a conjuration spell, my friends. <laughs> like... Yeah, you are not you are not really bound by, uh, by this by this uh, subclass, like you are in some of the other ones. There are some huge, yep. great things that you can do with this. You got a, a lot of the elemental stuff, like um, your thunder step, your sleet storm. Um, there's a lot. You, you also, let guys, wish is a conjuration spell. <laughs> so is gate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There aren't a lot of ninth level spells, and two of them are conjuration spells. <laughs> so I'm I'm telling you, this when I'm gonna sit down to play a wizard, this is one that I'm gonna I'm gonna look long and hard at. Or even if I'm gonna play something else and I don't feel like I need the level 20 ability, because a lot of them are kind of bullshit anyway. If I may try to throw a little bit of conjuration wizard in here. Um, because there's a lot of really fun stuff that they can do. I like it. I like it. All right, team. Okay, well that brings us to the end of topic two then. So we'll be moving on to topic three in our creative builds right after this short break. Hey everybody, Coffee Bitch Dave here. I want you to know it's quarter to two in the morning. Yesterday I was up until 8 a.m. all night preparing the Eberron series, getting stuff ready to go. But no, here I am sitting in front of a microphone because I have to wish Adam a happy birthday. It's his birthday. Make him feel appreciated. Like, you know, appreciated. So, shout out to Adam for being born. You deserve it. Thanks, Dave. Oh, back to the fucking episode. (laughs) You dick cheese. Okay, team. So, topic three. So, each of us has one new character build featuring the subclass that we covered. Um, And if you guys are ready, let's roll on it and let's go through it. Sure. Let's do it. A four. I got a natural 20 again. Oh, fuck off. Uh, I got a 19. I was sitting here just 
playing with my nipples all excited about look, it. Look, I'm not happy with it. I had my Xanathar's book out and it landed on the... It's, look, it's uh, it's cocked. We can't. Oh shit, I just rolled another nat 20. Dad, I promise <laughs> you. I promise you. I, I was trying to be fair with it. I was like, it's cocked. I can't do it. I'll, 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 I'll give it to you. If, like, at least you're not saying, okay, guys, I'm rolling this nat, uh, this 20-sided dice. Hey, I got a 21. I got a 21, guys. No, Dan, what you can't see is that he pulled a six-sided die out of freaking Monopoly box, and that's what that's he's doing true. right now. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> okay. Uh, Okay, so so my idea, and it, and it's it started off me going down the transmutation route because of course we said we we're going to do it without subclass, but I get so hooked on who the person is more than you know transmutation. Here, I like the idea, and the whole amnesia idea has been done. Who am I? Where am I from? I woke up on a beach, and I can't remember anything. I'm not wearing any shoes, and now I speak Chinese. Like it's been done, right? <laughs> Shit, that happened to me <laughs> last <laughs> week. <laughs> happened last week at an empty bottle of sambuca next to me i had no idea what happened um but i like the idea of, of speaking with the dm and even the other players at session zero where this where it's tied in that you are a very high level wizard that for whatever reason has had uh, memories heavily repressed and i like it the idea where whatever the dm's final outcome is whatever you're building up towards is the thing which is has has shocked you or repressed these memories so heavily that you actually can't remember anything of who you are anymore to the point that and so the idea that you you probably don't even share language with the, the the other players for maybe the first session or so of course you would have to be comfortable doing that and the idea that as you go through your characters and you level up that you're not learning things for the first time but you're remembering what you previously knew and, of course, my worry at first was, okay, well, I don't want this campaign to become all about that character. And it doesn't have to be. It's more just like whenever you do a history check, it brings back a memory of when you were at that place before. And, oh, the paladin was also there for whatever reason. We crossed paths forever. So I like the idea of as you're building up through your character levels, you are just remembering or having your abilities come back to you that is shaping who you will eventually become and it is linked to whatever the final outcome is going to be. It's a little bit kind of Final Fantasy, uh, but I wanted to take that trope of amnesia and twist it a little bit and kind of just reverse engineer the game that we're kind of building back to where you were before, but you as the player, the adventurers, you're, you're kind of unlocking a story that's already happened, essentially. Did any cool. of that make sense? It did. That made perfect it did. Sense. I actually, I, I really like it, but you gotta have, you gotta have the DM on your side for it. That's right. Um, That's right. You do because, and and I don't know, man. Like I, I would put so my my hesitation with that is you'd put so much weight into that level twenty reveal of being finally, you know, one hundred percent yourself, and unfortunately, your character dies at level eight because the Odiog crit on you oh and, and yeah but even that it's like there's ways to prepare for that that's just where whatever ends like i'm not saying that you're you're it's not like you're getting back to it and uh, like oh here we go kind of like when there's those movies where it shows you the end and then it shows you how you get there it's not like that it's just like you go back to that thing that caused that damage to happen to you but the reason i like yeah. it for transmutation is because i kind of made a joke about it earlier with the the age thing where you can essentially be shown that you're a lot younger than you are. I like this idea of this young-looking character not being taken seriously, but really they're 83-year-old Mon Kynan or something, or, or whoever you want to play. Uh, but they just may not know that. 
May, they may think it's the shock of whatever happened to them has aged their body to the point where they feel like they can't use their body properly, even though they only look like they're 22. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's the fact that it really is they're 84. Oh, and I, I would love, like, as you're going through the campaign, these uh, you keep on finding these tomes of transmutation magic written by this great transmuter who just disappeared one yep. day. And at the end of the campaign, they're like, oh, no, dude, you wrote those. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, who's next? Adam. Is that how it's what you got? Is that how it's pronounced? Odiug? Like I guess that's how I've always pronounced yeah, it. I, yeah. I guess. I for some reason I always thought that the U G H at the end would would have like an an F sound, and I don't know why I thought that. Like enough. I don't know. Anyways, really not the point of this episode. But I um. Well, actually, I, I've I've got a, I've got a reason why I pronounce it that way. It's because Odiugs uh, live in filth. Um. So it it's 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 the Odiug. Anyways, continue. That is a terrible reason, but it's honestly better than anything else I can come up with. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to let it slide. Yay! Victory for Dan! Break the champagne open! Quiet you. Wait, you, you <laughs> break open. Alright, so um, my mine is uh, the coward. I want the Conjuration Wizard to be a coward. And I want him to just be freaking out all the time and making shit happen as he like, like he studies how to defend himself because he's trembling and he's afraid. And so he studies it the night before and then the big scary thing happens and he freaks out and he just puts his hands up in the air and he says the words and he throws, throws the dust and then, and then the thing happens and okay, all right, okay, I'm fine again. Okay. Oh shit. Okay. My conjuration wizard is like, well, I, I mean, I, I guess I guess I can I can make you a sword I guess uh, out of nothing, but it's not gonna last forever. And he's he's terrified. And this is what I want for specifically for conjuration uh, wizard because you don't immediately think that they're offensive. And the idea that he just is like I need allies and then summons fucking demons. Like, can you imagine him then like shitting his pants and running away? I think that this is a load of fun for this character. And I was debating which which race to make him. Like, what's a good cowardly race? And then I thought, well, gnomes are bullshit, so I'll make them a gnome. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. So- <laughs> well, does, Adam, does, does, is he like a self-confessed coward? Or does he think he's brave? Is it like a bravado, like an act of bravery? Or, or oh, no, no, obvious? no. He straight up, I should not be here. This was not my life plan, and I was supposed to stay at home. Yeah. I and like I think it because... He's like the third son of a noble family. Yeah, right. And he's like, I was supposed to be in charge of that small duchy by the time I was 30. Why am I out here killing goblins? I don't even know what a goblin is. <laughs> I like the idea that uh, he's relying on like the mundane characters. Like he's looking at the fighter and the barbarian going, I can't do it. You guys go in there. And they're like, you can make shit blow up from 60 feet away. Like, and he just, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Just not realizing what, what your strengths are. And, and I think that he's just a nerd. I think that everything that he does is stuff that he reads about and he's out there adventuring because he's he's read it in, in his stories. And he would rather read about other people doing heroic things than him doing it himself. And maybe he signed up for this whole thing because he's writing down the, the paladin story. He's sitting there following along. He's not a bard. He's not going to sing the tales of. He's, he's writing the historical text. And Look, we, we know that you're going to be one of the chosen ones. Our diviners have seen it. 
So I'm going to follow you around. It's my job to, to write it all down. But oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then he like blows something up. <laughs> like, I, I, he just does not want to be here. I will stay in the tavern. You guys have the adventure. Come back and tell me how it goes. <laughs> oh man, I like it. I like it. I also like the fact that it's, this comes with a built-in NPC character that's his editor that's like, no, no, you go out into that cave and you get the real story. <laughs> uh, Dan? All right. Uh, for mine, I I mean, I always like throwing the, the expectations on their head when it comes to these classes. And... Um, everyone plays the evocation wizard as, you know, the big bombastic, I'll blow you up kind of wizard. That's not what I want to do. I want to have an incredibly practical evocation wizard, um, a clan crafter background. Most likely I would probably make him a dwarf. And he was the guy that just like ran the forges and he's a forge master. So Dan just made um, himself and- then. <laughs> Um, and he is, he is drawn to a life of adventuring to get away from, I mean, to protect his family and (laughs) someone's been in isolation too long. God help me. Uh, no. So, uh, no, man, I, I like, I would, he's an artisan of magic and, and this is the way I look at it. And like when he is sculpting spells, he's not just, you know, making these people avoid taking damage he is creating the spell in such a way where it wraps around them and 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 flows through them right um and and he he views his magic as an artistic expression um and he is he is incredibly practical incredibly um like uh almost dour like he's serious and but but the art is where he finds his creative outlet. Like I, I, I want to play an evocation wizard, but I don't want to play the guy who's all like, Oh no, look a single cobalt fireball. Like uh, You're boring. You're basic. Move on. <laughs> right. Um, let's do some interesting a dwarf wizard clan crafter, um, who uses his evocation magic to stoke the flame and to, to control the elements around to create these wonderful works of art magically as well as items I like that. that he can make as a, as a background. you're leaning into that dwarven mentality of master crafting, but perhaps this character realized that his, his skill, his master craftsmanship isn't with his hands, you know, but in what he can do with with his arcane ability. Yeah. So I like it that you're sticking with that discipline for that dwarf, because that is, is exactly what a dwarf is like, that pride in what they can craft. But his medium, his what he does is, is the arcane. I like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little weird. I never liked dwarves using arcane magic. Um, but I could see it for an artificer now that I say that out loud. Because uh, in my um, in my head, they're they're divine, but I think that I'm going to hate saying this. If it's not going to be a dwarf, it's going to be a fucking gnome for the tinkering factor, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, the only reason why I, well, for one, if you, if you look into your like Lord of the Rings or Warhammer dwarves, there is definitely an arcane nature to them as well. Um, So like it's, it's recent, like, D and 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 the narrative that they put in like races of stone in three point five, that really pushed this that they're more divine. They're more the they're the they're the clerical character. Um, 
I, I have no problem seeing dwarves as arcane masters. They're long lived. They're uh, incredibly articulate and intelligent. Why not? Exactly. Yeah, look, I don't I don't have that big of a problem. Like I say, I'm 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 okay with it. It just always, for some reason, it always feels wrong, and and I I don't know why. It's like I just don't I just don't picture a Goliath cleric. Yeah. There's no reason why you wouldn't, but I just don't picture that. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, team. Any final thoughts then before we wrap this up? I'm looking forward to the next three uh, cleric uh, wizard schools we do. What's on the next one? Do we know? Oh yeah, hold on. What, what do we have left? Um, we I don't think we've covered uh, necromancy. I don't oh. think we've covered enchantment, and I don't think we've covered war magic Ooh. or blade singer yet. Oh, I really like war magic. Man, um, sounds like a band. War magic? Yeah, war magic. they were popular in the eighties. War magic, yeah. <laughs> war magic sounds like the band that would like support Nightwish or something. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week's episode on Wizards. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure you check us out next week when we're covering Celestials. Ooh, yeah. You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening and see you next week. All right, guys. So what I asked you before a couple of episodes ago was I wanted to know which race everybody would be. And so the natural progression for this, for me, because I thought about mine and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be originally, is if you could be any D&D class, if the classes existed in real life, which D&D class would you be? Do we have to pick one, like, um, we're not looking at subclasses, we just pick one as a general whole? General whole, but if 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 you have a, a specific reason because of a subclass, that's okay, you can throw it in. Okay. All right, we roll and this isn't what we think we are, but what we would want to be. Yes. Well, I kind of okay. went. Actually, I went with what I, th- what I think I would most likely be. Yeah. Okay. I'll uh, I'll I'll roll right. on this. Yeah. Let's okay, roll cool. on this. Two, one. I got a nine. I got a six. I got an eighteen. Uh, guys, it is very clear to me that I would be a bard, and not a musical <laughs> bard, but I would be in front of people talking, all of I the think time. So. I would be a storyteller, and I would be in front of people talking, and I would be up on a stage acting shit out, and. Man, I was I've been a hair's breadth away from being a stand-up comic more than once. I've just been like, "Oh, do do, do I do I do it? Should I go up there and do it?" I'm just like I I just don't I just don't want to put you, that you need... amount of effort into it to to get that level of rejection. I think you should oh, cuz I man. think you'd be savage. I think uh, I, I would be too. The first the first heckler I get, "Dan, please come and heckle me so I can practice on you." <laughs> because shit, man, I would be fucking ruthless. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad that you finally like you you've managed to discover the guy with the thickest skin on the planet, so you could just bounce all your fucking ire off of me, and it's it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that that makes complete sense. I actually, Adam, to be completely honest, I think you really do need to you know build up your type five and uh, 
one of these days as a commercial spot, we should just put you on there for your type five. Uh, should, should I make it all D&D as well? To be like, hey, you notice that orcs walk like this, but goblins walk like this? <laughs> <laughs> I think you should because stand-up comedy also requires it requires a lot of structure, right? And, 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 and discipline how to do it. And I think you put together a really structured set. You be, People can be funny in a room. Like, I feel like I can entertain people in a room, but I can't. I can't get up there and then the pressure of just making a whole room laugh immediately. And if they don't, I'm fucked. I can't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. All right, Terry, what do you got? Um, you know what? This might surprise you, but also maybe not. I thought about it and I rag on them a lot. I would probably be a druid. I think I would. I like the idea of, uh, of just transforming myself into a beast. Any beast, whether I want to disappear, hide, go into the woods up off into the mountains, manipulate nature around me. I think I, I would in I think that's naturally the way I would go because I enjoy interacting with people and being around people, but also when I'm like I'm sick of people, I do have a habit of just disappearing and just and just but I think that's what a druid would do as well. Would just like walk into town nonchalantly and go and see their friends they haven't seen in 15 years and just act like they, you know, they just saw them yesterday and they've been like, where have you been? And then when they get sick of all that, just going off the grid. Um, more so than a ranger. I know that sounds rangerish, but it's, I want the druid, I want the druid ability, really. It's the abilities I want. I don't want to just be able to walk very quickly. So hold on, is is that why you fucking disappeared for like seven episodes in a row? Because you just had enough of Dan and I turned around and walked out? That was it, I just said fuck people, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's not fuck, Terry, it's not fuck people, it's fucking those two specific no. people. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are great, you guys are great, because I know what to expect from you two. You will be on time, you will be where, you need, where we need to be, where we agreed to be, doing what we agreed to do. It's the other seven billion people assholes out there that i don't want to be around <laughs> fuck those guys you two are fine i know what to expect from you two i noticed you didn't include megan dave or brad in this so so we know where you're sitting. <laughs> well occasionally sometimes i show up and one of those guys is there as well and that's fine <laughs> uh all right dan what about you uh i don't know man like uh, when we had the giveaway uh, was it the giveaway or was it just the shout out? I forget. It was like last year sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the we had, first giveaway. We had people write in. Yeah, we had people yeah. write in and t- say what we were. Uh, a couple of people like Cleric of the Forge. And that kind of knocked it on the head for me. I, I'm i on board with that. Um, more so now. If you asked me this a while ago, I would have been like Paladin or Barbarian or, or something fighty and... and um, you know, stalwart and brave. And I'm like, I'm not that brave. I'll be a cleric of the forge. And if you need me, I'll just be building shit in the back room. Don't worry about me. (laughs) I'll be working on something by myself. I don't care if it's hot. I don't care if it's cold. I don't care what it is. If it's tedious manual labor, tedious manual labor, I could do it. I'm good. (laughs) That would be great. I'm happy. This is, this is my comfort place. Like this is, this is, this is where I am the most comfortable. This is my home tedious manual labor i'm good and that would work perfectly for you dan and i think you would love it i wouldn't be able to do anything like cleric or warlock or those types of things because i don't like the idea of the voice just coming into my head hey you busy i'm like jesus have you always been there yeah i'm always here i'm always here that's a funny story a funny story to wrap up the episode then when terry was first figuring out discord and we sent him towards the server and he plugged in and he accidentally clicked on the voice call 
And so he was on and he didn't realize he was on. And so I jumped yeah. on as well. And I'm like, hello, Terry. As the voice of God, he came out of his fucking skin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> bounced out. This is my first 32 seconds trying to figure out Discord. I'm just clicking on stuff. Then Adam's voice just appears. My girlfriend's in the background, like, just waffling away. Going about I'm like, I... <laughs> Like exactly like what I just said. Are you always there? How long have you been there? <laughs> I'm always watching. Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done. Get it. <laughs> <laughs>